Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Tuesday, June 21st, and it's time for another episode of The Pit. Being joined this week by Stanford Graham. John's not going to be with us this week. Um, we are going to open the phone lines right now. I do want to apologize. The last episode of The Pit, um, John and I got off and we were talking on a bunch of topics and we went really long and I ended the show. And just as I clicked on end the show, I looked down and there was like six calls waiting for us. I'd forgotten all about the calls and questions. I want to make sure I don't do that this week, but get your calls in earlier. That, that makes it a whole lot easier for us. So it is the pit. We're going to be talking politics. This is politics in trucking. Um, you can talk about any political topic that you think ties to trucking. You don't have to call with questions or comments just on what we're talking about. It's like any other show. If it's the power hour, you can ask any mechanical question, not what we're talking about. If it's health, you can ask any health question. When it's politics, you can ask any political question you want. You can bring up any topic you want, make comments, whatever it is. Uh, do it early. It works a lot better. Um, I will take uh, as many calls as we have come in today, I'm sure, Stan will help me out with those as well. So join us right now, 855-950-3835. Stanford, welcome back. Hello, Kevin. It's great to be here with you. Yeah, great to have you. So um, I had a topic. I was just listening to that conversation. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was listening to that uh, conversation that you're wrapping up on uh, the show about uh, ethanol and uh, and our uh, you know the way we make fuel, the way we sell fuel here in the U.S. And uh, I just that was interesting. There was some a few years ago where I was reading a uh, out of the uh, out of the journal of Foreign Affairs, an international journal, and uh, oh, it was several years ago. And even then, I'm the particular article I was reading, Kevin, was that Iowa was the largest producer of corn in the country. I did some quick checking. I think even just a few years ago, there were, I think, 2.3 billion bushels of corn. I think that was 2020. And none of the the food they produce in Iowa goes to humans. Unbelievable. None. Unbelievable. So. My topic today. The largest, largest producer of corn yeah, in the, and, you know, in the U.S. and then arguably in the world. I don't know if that's a fact, but certainly in the U.S. And none of the food they produce that, that the, the square mileage of Iowa is dedicated to growing food for non-humans. Unbelievable. Or no food. And you now know? we're and now we're talking about food shortages, like we're some sort of third world country. Um, so my topic today. I was going to do a deep dive into the vaccine of all things because nobody's talking about it anymore. And there's all kinds of new data about the vaccines. And I've I've got a list here of all kinds of stuff. But then somebody called and we got off on E85 and they actually said that they were paying like 370 something a gallon for E85 in California, then somebody showed me in the Midwest they were paying 270 a gallon. This is just wrong. 
I mean, people might go, oh, that's awesome. No, it's really not. We should not be taking all of this land to produ- and growing corn to produce fuel. It's a really bad idea. It's a, yeah, it's a bad idea to use that much water to produce fuel for vehicles. That's just a, a really illegitimate way. It's one of the dumbest ways to use, you know, to use the uh, scarce resource of water. And everybody's arguing that well, you know, we've got uh, we've been in a what a, a cycle of uh, insufficient water for how yeah. many years, and so we're going to grow corn so we can make fuel. That and, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and think about all the economic activity that has to go on, hauling all the seed in, producing yeah. all the seed, yeah. hauling all the fertilizers yeah. into that farm, hauling, harvesting all of that corn and all the activity that has to go on to grow that corn and then shipping it yeah. out and refining it. And uh, what a mess. And we know that the, this corn is grown um, with the worst farming practices ever. It's all chemical. The runoff from the Midwest is destroying the Gulf of Mexico. There are so many reasons we should not be doing this. You know, why, yeah, why is Cargill in the business of growing fuel? Exactly. I thought they were, I thought they were a food company. Yeah, no, clearly not. Clearly. They were, uh, I didn't think that they were big oil, but now we've got the conflagration of big oil and big food, you know, doing the same stuff. So we've got one of the largest food companies, uh, the largest food companies, including Cargill, et cetera, that are growing corn to produce a product for the fuel industry. And we've got the fuel, I don't know, now we've got the, the oil industry making, you know, synthetic vitamins for people to eat because we can't get nutritious food. I mean, it's, it's all screwed up, kid. It's all, it, it, it is. Truly, you know, it truly messed up. It, here's the other thing that I've noticed now that I'm doing this show, The Pit. So, it, some, you know, most of the time on Sunday night, I try to sit down and I try to map out my shows for the week, you know, get some ideas for topics, and then every day I read the news. What's happening now, and it's making me a little crazy, is when I find a yeah. topic— Whatever it might be, I look at the topic and like fuel. If I would have wanted to do a show about fuel, I would have done it on a Tuesday or a Friday. Tuesday is all about maintenance and trucks and fuel mileage and Friday is all about fuel mileage. And But I look at the topic of fuel and ethanol and I go, oh no, I need to talk about that on the pit. Then tomorrow on my health day, Destination Health, I'm actually, um, I've got a guest that I'm excited about. The uh, owner and founder of Azure Standard uh, is going to be on the show with me tomorrow. This guy, you know, they've been farming in Oregon for a hundred plus years, correct farming, regenerative. You know, he's, he's a just a genius on soil and all these other things. And I look at that topic and go, oh, you know, that's all about health. But honestly, I could be talking about all of that on the pit as well. It it sucks that almost every topic is now has some sort of political angle to it. Yeah. Yeah. Politics have become way too big a part of our life. Yeah. You try to figure out where the, where is that line now where they're not trying to be involved? 
Now, the uh, you know, speaking of injections and things, it's uh, I'm on a on point, but also the outcome of these injections that nobody else, nobody's talking about anymore except the FDA approving them for, you know, infants. That one, that's, that's improving, one. Improving, improving injections, COVID injections for infants. Uh, that is yeah. one of my topics today. There are so yeah. many things to talk about yeah. with this vaccine and nobody's really talking about it much anymore. I don't see any of this stuff in the news. You know, they yeah. we all kind of flipped out when um, the uh, CDC said we need 75 years to release all this data about the vaccine testing. And that is just so absurd. And I don't even know why they yeah. bothered. They took an awful lot of heat over that. All they really had to do, 75 months is more than enough. It was almost about 75 days was all they had to wait. And then we're on to something else. Nobody's even paying attention much anymore to the vaccine. And yet there's all kinds of news coming out right now that we should be talking about this vaccine, but I can't find it anywhere in the news. And one of them that makes me insane is this idea that we are now going to start injecting six-month-olds with this vaccine? Yeah, yeah. It's the thing that makes that even more poignant is uh, this important point that nobody's really following this story either. That um, Justin Moskowitz and, and crew, who are the you know, who is the chief investor in CRISPR technology which in shorthand is uh, the ability to edit our DNA. Yeah. Um, the, the FDA is just, I mean, the uh, clinical trials have just been completed. Uh, it's within the last uh, couple of weeks uh, for CRISPR. Uh, it's on humans and surprise, surprise, the, uh, the first clinical trials for the, for the use of CRISPR technology. I and mean, it's not going to be to solve cancer or, Maybe, you know, figure out how to replace specific sections in our DNA so that, uh, I don't know, a dysfunctional organ might produce more insulin when it's not producing enough. You know, really cool things like that, which we, we've only known about. But Crick and Watson discovered DNA what, 70 years ago, 1953, where they said, oh, this is a double helix, which, by the way, is a lie. Right. DNA yeah. does not carry a double helix. That's just a model. And then all this, uh, all the data that we see for, well, here's what DNA is. That's just a mathematical model of a model. Right. And the biggest benefit we're going to get out of it right now, the biggest financial ROI on that technology about human life, like they're the foundations of human life and how we live, what it means to be human. The biggest ROI over the last 70 years is going to be its first use here, which beyond profiling people for mass data is going to be a uh, use of CRISPR technology to edit blood. To edit blood. Now, isn't that interesting? Because yeah. there was a thing that happened a couple of years ago that we were told if we got injected with shit that we would be immune from the bad thing that <laughs> somebody created. That, and that, oh my gosh, the natural outcome of being a 
getting this immune jab that, oh, by the way, it doesn't provide immunity. It doesn't stop transmission or retransmission. doesn't provide protection at all. Um, oh, it, it creates blood clots. It causes the blood to clot. It shuts down blood supply to organs. It, it actually inhibits the blood from carrying oxygen. Oh, my gosh. We need something for that. What could we possibly do? I know. Let's create... Uh, let's use the CRISPR technology to solve that problem. Oh boy! Let's, yeah, let's. I know. Let's let's use this wonderful uh, technology we've learned about seventy years ago to change the nature of human blood. That's a bad idea. Because you can just simply, you can just simply splice, uh, you know, our our DNA double helix, you know. Uh, that doesn't exist uh, in nature, but we can, yeah, why don't we do that? Let's, um, let's come up with something, a process by which we can, we can splice, you know, specific areas of the human blood and, uh, and solve this terrible problem. It's an inexplicable problem of blood clots and, and ischemia. Yeah. Hypoxia. Yeah. Boy, that's scary. Yeah. And the idea, so, hey. let's go back to the, the infants. It was bad enough when we started doing this with, you know, kids five and up. If we look oh, from day one of this, we'll call it a pandemic. It really wasn't. But if we look at from day one, if we look through the worst periods when the numbers were off the charts, children were not dying from this ever. Not, not at any point during this time were children dying from this in any significant numbers. More kids die from the flu than from this. The children who did die from this almost always had some sort of pretty severe comorbidity like leukemia or some other really severe disease and they might die from COVID, although I don't even trust most of those numbers. The danger to children and infants is so ridiculously low, and now it's even lower. Each new version, each new variant seems to get easier to spread, but less deadly. This is becoming, whether it was man-made or came out of nature, we'll probably argue that forever. But either way, this is getting less and less dangerous all the time. It's spreading a lot easier. Everybody seems to have it. Lisa has it right now. Um, everybody knows somebody who has it. But it's, it's kind of like just a different cold. The symptoms are similar, maybe a little different, but almost everybody's recovering from this now. And now that we have all of this data, the last thing we should be doing, especially if we start looking at the data about the vaccine, we know the data on COVID, it's getting less and less dangerous all the time. It was never dangerous to children anyway. And now we should be looking at all the dangers of the vaccine to now at this point in time approve this for infants at six months old is criminal. Well, it actually is because the record uh, is tug in cheek, patently clear about the development of the vaccine because that's uh, ubiquitously disclosed in U.S. patents in 
the, the construction of these injections are patented IP. And I'd be happy to share the patents with you at the show so, you know, the, the pit tribe can actually go read the patents and discover us that uh, since 1993, when Pfizer filed its first patent application on a corona, uh, SARS coronavirus injection, it's actually for animal use, but contemplating human use. And of course, this was before, this is 1993, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to see that. Yeah, 1993, 30 years ago, 30 years ago. Unbelievable. And uh, when, when nobody, when there was no human experience with a coronavirus threat, much less, you know, individual threat, much less global. And coronavirus right. was, a, is a virus that actually uh, killed little pigs and dogs. They, they, they died of the runs. Yes, it was a gas. It was a gastrointestinal uh, effect on animals, and so what uh, what we do know now is a, is a function of the clear language in the patent record of the United States, and there are over four thousand patents involving this. That uh, that the the virus is a chimeric animal. It's not a an animal in nature. This SARS CoV two is was actually designed using natural occurring uh, natural occurring virus and then edited with um, software. Uh, and, uh, Moderna talks about this on its on the homepage of its website uh, that the mRNA therapy that its injection provides mRNA therapy that its injection provides uh, is a combination of Life, a life form and a synthetic form, which is why they can patent it because it's illegal to patent. You cannot patent life. Oh, hey, you have to alter, and that it's, it's against it's uh, it's against U.S. law to patent life. And so, uh, hey. in order to patent, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I I didn't know that, and I'm wondering if you could look into something for me. Sure. Um. One of the things we've been talking about for a little over a year now, I had a um, an awesome cardiologist on my show, Dr. Davis. Um, William Davis wrote the book yeah. Wheat Belly, one of the first books I read about health. Incredible book. If you haven't read it, you're that really is sure. a great book. Isn't That's that a fabulous book? Isn't that an awesome book? Um, it is. Yeah, one of the best books. One of the best books in terms of health. Yeah, yeah we've, our we've eating patterns. Yeah. We've had Dr. One other guy that put that up. Yeah, we've had Dr. <laughs> Davis on the show several times, probably get him back here again soon. One of the things he's really wow. focused on right now, in fact, it's like the main focus of what he's doing, he's identified specific strains of bacteria, and, and so is a lot of other people. We're all looking at gut yeah. bacteria now. It's like the frontier in yeah. medicine. When he was on the show, yeah. he said... Let me tell you where we are on gut bacteria right now. He said, pretend it's 1981 and you just bought your first Atari. 
He said, and look at how far we've come in computers in that time. He said, right now on gut bacteria, it's 1981 and you just bought an Atari. He said, that's how early we are into this. And he's been identifying these specific strains of bacteria. He has one right now. uh, It's called L. ruteri. And it's been proven that when you consume this bacteria, your body starts producing more oxytocin. Oxytocin is like the love hormone. It's what makes us want to connect with other people. It's why we have such a strong um, connection to babies and why we want to protect them. Even when we look at young animals, puppies and kittens, and we, we get that feeling. And, and, you know, you wonder why, why, why are, why do puppies look so damn cute? You know, and it, it's oxytocin that creates that connection. We, the world wow, needs, I did not, I did not. yeah, the, the world, it, it, mothers go through floods of oxytocin um, to, to that make sense. that connection with their baby. And yeah. wouldn't you say the world overall could use a whole lot more oxytocin right now? Ironic, I was listening last night to uh, some 70s music. I was listening to, uh, what's her name? Deanna Warwick singing, What the World Needs Now is Love. Love. <laughs> awesome. That should be the theme th- song for this. You're right. We need a lot more oxytocin. Yeah. We need more connection, a lot less fighting. And But anyway, I don't want to get off track on this too far. So... We take that. that I would I would recommend that book. To, I would recommend that book to anybody, Kevin. We feel it's a phenomenal read. It's a great read. Yeah, absolutely. So we take this specific strain of bacteria, and in order to create oxytocin in the body, we need a lot of that bacteria. So we need to mm-hmm. multiply it. And the way we can multiply it is by culturing that bacteria in yogurt, in dairy, and it creates yogurt. So we have a whole program. We help people get started with this. I make, you know, I make a gallon batch of this yogurt every week. Uh, I go through almost a gallon wow. a week. Um, we have lots and lots of drivers now making this. But here's the weird thing. Are, are we growing that? Are we culturing that bacteria here in the U.S., Kev? Well, yeah, so so here's the thing. We can buy this bacteria in a pill that's basically a probiotic. But from what I understand, and I I got all this from Dr. Davis, and this goes back to what you just said, so this is why I'm bringing it up with you. According to Dr. Davis, these companies have patented that specific bacteria. So nobody can make commercial yogurt with this bacteria. That's why we're making it at home because we can buy the pill. Once we buy the pill, we can do whatever we want with it other than sell it. From what I understand, if I wanted to make this yogurt and sell it, I would not be allowed to because that bacteria was patented. Well, I would be very interested in having that conversation with Dr. Davis because, um, it's very it's a, a standard uh, legal maxim in patent law that you cannot patent life. Well, it, it, so it could have certainly they, they cultured the bacteria as a function of some 
genetically modified uh, portion of that organism. They could synthesize and genetically modify uh, that let's say the gene construction of that bacteria because that's that's actually happening now. Everybody lost their lost their minds when somebody, you know, cloned a sheep over in England a few years ago. Remember that? Yeah, Dolly. But uh, nobody's paying attention to uh, um, the, the implications of GMO food. I mean, that's what we're, this, it's the same, this is a riff on the same, on the same tune, Kevin, that's uh, genetically modified organisms. I mean, we, we, we buy fruits and vegetables now that we know are genetically modified. And they were told by the FDA for years that there's oh. no harm in that. But, of course, there have been no human trials on any genetically modified foods to determine the long-term effects on human biology. No, there hasn't. But we're told they're here, safe and effective. Well, yeah, here's have the we other... ever heard that message before? Oh, it's safe and effective. We've never tested it for anything, but it is safe and effective, we assure you. Oh, oh yeah. Actually, Sounds familiar. <laughs> well, I'm sure you're probably familiar with the initials GRAS in food. Sure. Generally yeah. recognized as safe. That's what the yep. term stands for, but here's what it really means. We've never tested any of these chemicals or substances in our food supply. There have been no tests on them with the human body. The only thing required is for some scientist or some body to just say, well, we don't know of any harm it causes to the human body. That's all they have to f- determine. We're not aware of any harm that this chemical would cause. So, yeah, go ahead and put it into the food supply, and we'll consider it generally recognized as safe. Yeah, so here's the GRAS as a standard measurement, you know, that's been developed actually by independently and been recognized by the FDA. It's a double-edged sword. You this, the edge of the sword that you just described is the negative edge. Uh, actually, the sword cuts negatively a, a couple of ways. The other aspect of this is for companies that produce supplements with food products um, in a combination, for example, that haven't been created before. These are private companies that are actually trying to do good things. Right? They, they, the nutraceutical area where you have good-hearted people, good-willed people, intelligent people creating products out of natural foods to benefit humanity, um, the, the FDA has regulations that require those companies to uh, test those combinations of ingredients, which would put really most private companies out of business. Yeah, because the cost it, of doing clinical it, is just extraordinarily high. Yeah, why? So it's a bit uh, it's problematic. Yeah, why do we have regulations like that, but we nobody is ever required to test two drugs at the same time? Yeah, How about that. Never, never. We have yes. we have yes. the yes. average senior citizen today is on like five prescriptions and no two drugs are ever That's tested true. together. True. Yeah. Cause the best that they can measure in clinicals is they uh, measure molecules by, you know, molecule by molecule. They do not measure the interactivity 
right. of molecules together, much less, you know, large networks of molecules. Yeah. Um, so, which is, you know, right. impossible. So, so I would love to get uh, you and Dr. Davis on the phone together. Maybe we should even do a show together on this. Maybe I'll invite him to come on the pit with us. Um, and we can, you know, he has identified, like, I, I think we're up to like seven different strains of bacteria. And we now, we actually carry the, the little starter tablets or... Once you make yogurt from this, then you can just use your yogurt to start your next batch. That's how this works. So now that is that reminds me of my my great grandmother's sourdough start, which yeah sits on my on my mother's you know kitchen uh, sits in her kitchen cabinet because uh, yeah once you got a start yeah you got a sourdough it, starter you all you can yeah <laughs> yep. yogurt's the that's, same uh, way that's a beautiful thing to yeah. Yeah, so I yeah. actually, I, you know, I, I make all the starters here because I make all of these yogurts, all seven of them. And I told drivers, hold that on, I told drivers, <laughs> if, um, if you come through town, you know, let me know. And if I'm available, I'll stop down. And if you stop at the warehouse, I'll give you some of my yogurt. I can't sell it. As far as I know, it's, it's, it wouldn't be legal for me to sell it. So I've just been giving it away to people. They can't stop me from doing that. And we now have... Well, it gives me one more, one more motivation to visit uh, Rutherford Central. There you go. HQ. Get my uh, starter for uh, my bacteria pack. <laughs> there, there you go. That's right. So uh, that's kind of a big project of ours right now. So I'm interested in wow. this idea of this, you know, patenting bacteria, what they're doing. So... Yeah. Let's, uh, sure, sure. yeah, let, let's plan on, you know, I, I never even got to all my notes on the vaccine. I guess we'll make that another show. Um, cause I have a lot, I easily have, you know, yeah. enough to cover an hour. And I just noticed we're getting an awful lot of calls. So, um, oh. let's go to some calls and find out what people want to talk about today. Um, let's go to Alabama. Chip, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? I was just wondering uh, what's going on with that AB5 law out there in California. I mean, how, how is this going to affect the industry? Are there any workarounds? Or? Yeah, so this is a good topic. And uh, Stan, have you and I talked about this yet? Yeah, we, we did a few weeks ago. I thought we did. Um, so the independent, the, independent con, the independent contractor case sits before the uh, Supreme Court and Yep. See how that's going to come down. Yeah. Yep. So, um, Chip, here's where we are right now. No, nothing different from when we did the show a couple weeks ago, but I'll go back over it. AB5 is technically the law in California. It passed in California. It would eliminate most independent contractors. And let's just set all the other industries aside and just talk about trucking right now. What it does in trucking is it says that companies involved in trucking cannot use independent contractors to move freight. They could use independent contractors to do their printing if they want. They could use independent contractors to fix their trucks and their trailers if they want, but they cannot use independent contractors to move freight because that is their primary business. 
That's the law in California today. The workaround, since you asked about that, I'll I'll cover that first. The workaround is that you could not lease to a trucking company. If you want to be an owner operator in California, you would have to go get your own authority and become a trucking company. That's the only real workaround. No, there is one other. I forgot. They also could use the two check model where the company you want to lease your truck to would actually hire you as an employee driver and pay you that way. And then there would be a secondary contract where they were leasing your equipment from you. That's a pot. That's a workaround. I don't like it because I didn't spend my whole life building a business so I could go back to being an employee again. I don't care if I also have the contract I don't want to be an employee. I've never wanted to be an employee. And why you would take that away from people I don't understand. Well, I do understand. Um, It's unions and government that want more control over people. So that's the law today in California. That's the workaround. Either you get your own authority or we do a two-check system. But that law is on hold right now because it's being fought in the courts. The Ninth Circuit, I believe, Stan, would that be right, California? The Ninth Circuit? Okay. Um, The Ninth Circuit upheld the law and said, this is legal, we're going to do this. The reason I don't believe it's legal is because of interstate commerce. You can't, states, states have a lot of rights to create their own laws, and I'm in agreement with that. But states cannot write laws that can really disrupt interstate commerce. And that's good. We should have those exceptions. This clearly will interrupt interstate commerce. When one state out of the the 48 in, you know, contiguous states down here, contiguous states, when one can have a law that eliminates the, the big part of the trucking industry that will affect interstate commerce that's why i think this law should be struck down but the ninth circuit upheld it then it goes to the supreme court where it's sitting right now here are the possibilities the supreme court could hear the case and rule on it and they haven't yet or they could just ignore the case and we don't know yet. If they just ignore it and decide not to hear it, and Stan, correct me if I'm wrong on any of the legal aspects here, then the way I understand it is it becomes law. If the Supreme Court says, look, we're not even going to listen to this, then the Ninth Circuit becomes the, the authority on this, and it becomes law in California. If they decide to hear the case, then we'll get a ruling one way or another. But boy, with everything going on in the Supreme Court right now, I have a feeling they may just pass on this and it's going to become law. I don't see how they can do it. it just, they're, they're destroying a whole industry. It, absolutely. And that's just one industry. Think about all of the yeah. industries that use independent contractors and what this is going to do to our economy. Hey, I, I have another question. Like, I say I'm leased to a company, and then in the background, they create a brokerage. So I'm, I'm leased to them. We have an agreement to get, I get a percent, you know, my percentage, right. and they get their percentage. 
how can they turn around and create another entity that they run the, the loads through and then take another cut and then give it to us and take a cut out of that? How was that? That, and what exactly is double brokering? Okay, boy, oh boy, you opened up a can of worms now. Um, let's start with your first question. This is a very, very common practice in trucking that trucking companies with trucking authority will also start a second entity and get brokerage authority. I'm, I'm okay with that. Now, in your case where they end up taking two little cuts out of it, you have to, it, it's completely legal, by the way. Let's just start there. They're not doing anything wrong. They're allowed to do this. You have to decide whether or not you're okay with how much money you're getting out of the transaction. But to let you know, when they do that, it's completely legal. That's also, though, the workaround. If AB5 becomes law, if you wanted to keep working with your carrier, this is exactly how you would do it. You would go get your own authority and then you would get your brokered loads right from them. That would actually be the workaround. So I'm okay with that. It's legal. You have to decide if this particular company is taking too many fees out and you're not happy with it, but it is legal. Um, well, what was the second part of your question? you know what they've taken out you don't know well you you have the right to know they have to tell you yeah but i, I you know i asked some questions about it no, before, I, and then they, here I didn't, I didn't get a lot for two weeks you know and and you are right in the real world they're they're allowed to do this they have to tell you all of the percentages from both transactions but we know in the real world if you push them hard enough you may not get the good freight anymore we know that that happens, and then you have to make the decision, do you still want to work with this company or not? Um, there was another part to your question, though. What was it? What exactly is double broker? Oh, that's I've it. I've always heard so, it's illegal to double broker a load. Yeah, so... But it seems like they take it from a broker and, and put it in their brokerage and then give it to this trucking company. Is that, that not double brokering? That is not. These terms, like most terms, get used different ways, and it causes confusion. What you just described is what's called co-brokering, and co-brokering is completely legal. As many brokers as want to get involved in a load, and everybody takes a little cut, there's nothing illegal about that. That's called co-brokering. True double brokering is something different. It's when a trucking company that doesn't have brokerage authority brokers a load to another trucking company. That's double brokering and it's illegal. Okay. But that doesn't so happen like a, much. That's a little company. Yeah, when you see all these people complaining about double brokering and there's too many hands in the pie, they're they're incorrect. It's not double brokering. It's not illegal. It's co-brokering. And it, yeah, it does mean that there's more hands in the pie. And again, it comes back to a personal decision. If you are working with a lot of loads that have multiple brokers involved, then then you know, set your operation up so you're not doing that. And, and there's no 
what is the standard for procedure? I mean, what is, is there a standard fee no. that a broker should be within? No. So is there a standard fee for how much an owner operator gets paid or charges a customer to move freight? Yeah, not really. I guess. No, you're right. I, there, there I is. Know if it was, hey, is look, it, is it customary? Yeah, let's is think it about it. For a well, I can tell you what the numbers are. We have all the data. I check this out every year. The data gets released every year. The average brokered load in the United States for the last several years that I remember checking always falls between 14 and 15%. That's not customary. It's not a rule. You could just like any business in the country you are allowed to charge anything you want. There are only a few commodities where the government controls the prices, alcohol and some other things. For the most part, any business in the United States is allowed to charge anything they want for their services. Why, why aren't, and they are, but people don't want them to be like this. Brokers should be the same way, and they are. They're allowed to charge anything they want for their service. Why we think they should be limited to some percentage, I, I don't even know where that thought comes from. They're not limited. They can charge anything they want. And you, as the carrier, could look at them and say, oh, hell no, I'm not, I'm not pulling that load for that rate. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, the, the, well, uh, the, almost every time you hear somebody complaining about double brokering, it's really co-brokering and it's completely legal. Um, Stan, going back to the AB5 law, did I get anything wrong on the kind of legalities of it all and how it all works? Oh, you're great. Uh, just on one point, I wouldn't say that the court would ignore it, but it has discretion you know, to hear any case that comes before and they can decide not to hear cases. So, and that can be, you know, that decision can be based on any number of reasons. And if, otherwise, you're 100%. And if in this case, because it is before the Supreme Court right now, we're waiting to see if they're going to rule on it, if they choose to ignore right. it, it defaults back to the Ninth Circuit as the authority. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. And that's where we are right now. Okay. And that always that always puts it at the at that appellate level and replies, um, you know, if uh, the different states in the Ninth Circuit, like Washington, Oregon, uh, decide they want the state legislatures decide they want to follow the same type of legislative. Uh, action and, and managed to pass that legislatively, then of course the Ninth Circuit ruling uh, includes those states, and so the Ninth Circuit's decision would uh, would govern those legislative outcomes. Got it. Okay. Well, we'll we'll stay on top of that. I'm I'm starting to think that with everything going on with the Supreme Court right now, it just seems more likely that they might just pass on some of these. Is there? Does that seem logical or? You know, very, very hard to say. There's, uh, I think actually there are some significant business interests with uh, the Gorsuch's uh, history of decisions as well as uh, Kavanaugh's. Um, they, they do have significant interest in uh, supporting interstate, the interstate commerce clause. Got They've it. shown a, a penchant for that. So that bodes well. Alito's, uh, uh, decisions are on, obviously on the, on the conservative side of restraining government as opposed to inflaming it. And so 
uh, you know, it's just hard to tell the decisions that uh, the bases for the decisions and the time that when they choose to hear a case or, or not hear a case, Kevin. You know, wait a minute. I'm sure you can help me with this part too. Um, is I is another option that they could just hold this over till their next session? Yes, you know, they could. Yeah, they would. Uh, they could decide to hear it, but then say, "Well, we're not going to get to this until you know the following time on our calendar." Okay, so, so that is that, we could just yeah, end that, up in limbo when this session ends. We may not have an answer either way. Well, they typically won't do that. They won't keep uh, people guessing on, you know, what way they're going to spin the thing or, you know, whether they'll, they'll hear it and put it off into a, you know, their next, okay. their next session because they're booked out for cases now. Or, or if they make a decision not to hear it, then that will be uh, a very clear message that they, you know, they've made that decision. Got it. So. And just so everybody's aware, there is a House bill that would do this nationwide. So the federal government is already looking at this, and there is a House bill. I don't have the number in front of me right now, but uh, you could go look it up. There is a House bill that would do the exact same thing nationwide that AB5 does in California. So we have elections coming up. Elections matter. Just, just keep that in mind. They matter. Elections matter. And let's just be honest about this. These types of bills, these AB5 type bills, trying to either eliminate or limit the use of independent contractors are very partisan. They get lots of support from the Democratic Party. They get almost no support from the Republicans. So just remember that we have an election coming up. And if this is an important issue to you, whether or not we can keep independent contractors in this company, um, the Republicans usually support more independent contractors. The Democrats are the ones that want them to go away. Well, I, I would agree with that, Kevin. If you have some uh, your congressman or you have someone who's uh, challenging a, an incumbent, that's a fabulous question to put uh, to the candidate. Is where do you stand on this issue? Yep. So if, uh, requiring, mandating through federal legislation that everybody has to be an employee, or can we are we going to retain the 1099 designation, independent contractor under the under the uh, Internal Revenue Code? Yeah. Like, which way are you going to go on this? Yep. Are you pro people or pro big business? There you go. There you go. So we'll we'll keep talking about that. We do have calls. Let's get back to them again. We're going to go to Tennessee this time. Carl, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Yeah, I, 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 I've been noticing a lot of really interesting things with uh, China going on and how they have uh, been investing in technology here in the United States and that, you know, we're actually using, you know, exporting all of our work to build technology to China, which we're actually using in our ports. I think if we actually, you know, if the whole Ukraine thing, you know, and uh, Taiwan with China you know, gets really nasty. I think it could be a really bad case for the U.S. because they could really use that technology they put in to really mess with us. You know, I, I agree. This is a really big, complicated, you know, subject about China in so many ways, whether it's, you know, commerce, whether it's military. Um, I liked 
the path we were taking under the last administration where we were putting more restrictions on China. We were separating ourselves more from China. We were not allowing certain technologies to go to China. And now in this administration, almost all of that has been reversed. And I think that is a really, really dangerous thing. Yeah, they even uh, like uh, stole intellectual property from uh, businesses and just oh, like, they they do it all the oh, time. You they want to sue us? They've been doing it for decades. Now we're just making it easier for them. You know, and, and some of the other things is you know they're you know going against certain groups of people and just you know putting them in uh, concentration camps oh, and also using you know. Uh, it's just really bad over there. I, I, it I is really bad for the people there. Here, here's the other thing we have to be aware of, and this is why China is so dangerous. China plays the long game, and when I talk long, I'm not talking decades. China plans centuries ahead of time, and they're patient. And we are the exact opposite. We want everything now. And those two different philosophies will probably at some point become the reason that China may become the world superpower. Well, it's actually one of the uh, interesting things for you to bring that up is because uh, one of their technologies they're heavily investing in here in the United States is the uh, automated self-driving truck. Yeah, because they are clearly the leader in that field. Yeah, uh, to, it, it, it's scary if, you know, self-driving trucks becomes the next big major thing. And all of a sudden they're like, okay, we want to take out the U.S. And now there's no more trucks moving anywhere and we don't got people to drive trucks. So, yeah, look, look up the thing would be shut down. Look up the company Too Simple, T-U Simple. It's a Chinese company. They are the leader in class eight autonomous technology, they are currently not doing tests. They're doing a lot of testing, but they are currently moving freight between Arizona and California with their autonomous trucks with no drivers in them. Now they're way ahead of just about everybody. And the other thing I've seen is they've been, uh, flying jets over uh, Taiwan and whatnot, trying to get as close as possible, but like, you know, doing that whole, I'm not touching you, yeah. you know, waiting for yeah. someone to, to, to do something stupid. And, you know, it's like, they did it, not us, you know. Yeah, that, that like I said, we, we have commerce issues with China, but we also have military issues um, that are pretty scary as well. Uh, Stanford, any thoughts on any of that? Well, you had to call us right in terms of their their international business of uh, technology theft is legendary. Um, And rather than doing something to curtail that, we have large companies, some of the largest companies in in the U.S. I can't say they're in the U.S. because they're not. You know, your Apples and Googles and other large firms are not domesticated here. They're domesticated offshore. one interesting piece of research that uh, uh, the crowd, everybody listening can take a look at is find out where, where these large companies actually are domiciled for purposes of taxation. 
I'll tell you something, because it sure isn't here. But the point is, they rather than you know protect uh, U.S. interests with the technology they've been able to develop as a consequence of our freedoms here, they're they're uh, they're going after the Chinese market. Yep. And of course, that involves sharing technology or making that technology available in China. You know, and, and they're known for thieving. So it's yeah, it's a very consequential and very unfortunate set of circumstances. Yeah, have, you know, uh, American business. You know, the other running, like, running active, you know, anti, just basically running, you know, military campaigns. I'd put it because it's the the consequences of the decision are. Uh, mostly tied to military outcomes. Yeah. So, yeah, the the other, um, you know, we talk about technology a lot with China. The other two industries that most people don't realize how heavily invested and kind of loyal they are to China, um, some sports, the NBA is a big one, and, and Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would also say, just to bring this back around to the initial topic when we started the call was technology and China and the U.S. and injections for the uh, the thing that we call COVID, which is nothing other than a list of symptoms. There is no COVID Correct. disease. Right. It's never been found. It never will be found because there isn't one. It's just it's a list of symptoms. Yeah. But if you take a look at, you know, you could you could suffer as a consequence of, you know, any number of things on any particular day. You know, headaches. Yeah. Nausea. Yeah. Really. I know. You know fever, really? <laughs> you know, yeah. Wow. And and now we got to get an injection for these things. Exactly. Interesting. Well, in the uh, um, we can do a little uh, can do a little research on two individuals, Dr. Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, and Peter Daszak, who's the uh, president of Eco Alliance, the Eco Health Alliance. Uh, you find out those two individuals' uh, participation with the Wuhan labs and yeah. the development of uh, weaponization of the spike protein. I mean, this, this information is public information. Yep. We're just not told about it, but it's, so it's talk about, you know, working together on technology with our, you know, uh, perceived enemy. It's, uh, you know, it doesn't get any thicker than that. And again, this is, this is published Published data available. Uh, you can even hear Peter Daszak at the uh, um, World at World Health Conference that was held in New York. He's on video. Uh, CNN. It's, you can you can Google this, find it or find it on YouTube, uh, where he admits that he and his colleagues in China, he and his colleagues, he and our colleagues in China, uh, developed this. Um, this SARS virus and injection technology. Yep. So uh, uh, he actually said said it out loud. So, yeah. So you've got a lot of information on this. I have a lot of stuff on the vaccine itself and what's been going on with it. So next week, We'll try to do a deep dive into that. We were going to this week. We got sidetracked. I think it was a, a good topic to get sidetracked with for right now, though. Um, let's grab a couple more calls because they're still coming in. Uh, let's go to Florida. Ken, welcome to the program. Welcome. Hey, guys. How's it going today? Good. What's on your mind? So I heard you 
speaking earlier about uh, the vaccine and blood clotting. I have been recently diagnosed with polycythemia, and we're trying to determine whether it is uh, gene-related or not. I don't test positive for the gene, uh, but there's there's a percentage of folks that don't. But I've been noticing that there's a implosion, if you will, of people coming down with polycythemia. And I was kind of curious to see if anybody had put anything together about the shots with that. Because my doctors are drawing a blank. And I'm seeing specialists and they're drawing a blank. So real quick, I've researched a lot of different things around the vaccine, but I'm not sure about this one. Can you spell that for me? P-O-L-Y-C-Y-M-A, I think it is, polycythemia. Polycythemia, would that be right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, So there's there's two different versions of two different versions of it. There, polycythemia is a oxygen blood related illness. Yep. So you're 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 oxygen. So your blood doesn't catch the oxygen. There's a genetic portion of it that's called polycythemia vera. Which Correct. means it's not a secondary disease, and it is considered a cancer. Correct. It's classified as a cancer. Okay, so um, I've studied a lot of stuff on the vaccine. This isn't one of them. Stanford, it almost sounds like you may have something right. on this. And so if you'll, a, there's a, a study, and it came out in November uh, 2021, uh, you can find it on, uh, I think you can find it on PubMed, but it actually it's uh, published uh, through the National Library of Medicine uh, from the National Institutes of Health. That um, polycythemia is, its symptomology is an increase in red blood cell mass. Right, exactly. So, right, so the, 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 Blood is made of four different constituents, right? There's red blood cells, white blood cells, um, platelets, and plasma. And polycythemia relates to an increase in blood cell, not necessarily the number of blood cell percentage relative to the other three constituents in the blood, because there is a, as you would guess, a very fixed percentage of of those uh, four components in the blood for healthy blood. But actually, the the mass of a, of single red blood cells and then their ability um, to uh, you, you get increased uh, hemoglobin levels, for example. Right. Um, yep. The um, the challenge is that's associated with this is a risk of what they would call thrombotic events or hyperviscosity of your blood. Those two things, hyperviscosity means it, it actually thickens your blood, it causes your blood to be thicker, decreases your blood's ability to carry oxygen and uh, deliver it. Because, there's, because there's, a, there's a interference of the gas barrier, the gas membrane barrier between that is the response for the exchange of the oxygen in your red blood cells and carbon dioxide. That's how we breathe is the exchange of those two molecules, oxygen for carbon dioxide. So even if your blood is able to deliver oxygen, the inability to uptake carbon dioxide 
means you can't breathe. That's one of the reasons, for example, why during the uh, COVID plan, people were putting were being put on ventilators. You know, they couldn't their oxygen right. levels were dropping. They're putting them on right. oxygen on ventilators, forcing oxygen into their bodies, and their oxygen levels still declined, still plummeted. Right. Anybody that was put on, I shouldn't say everybody, but most, the numbers that we have now is that most people that were put on ventilators died. Well, they didn't. The bottom line was the ventilators that were pumping all that oxygen into the body, and blood did not in, increase and failed to increase oxygenation supply in the blood. Well, then that means there's something going on with the blood. So something and, and with the red and, blood cells, and that's, increasing the red blood cells' ability to carry and deliver oxygen. And here's the good news. Correct. In September of 2021, a research, an Italian research team published, uh, a completed a work that was published in The Lancet. This September 2021, they conducted clinical, uh, human clinical trials at major hospitals uh, where they divided their, uh, their clinical population into two bodies. And these were people who had who had been diagnosed with quote severe COVID unquote. That's what the study reads. One right. half. So the control the control group they uh, they gave the control group three milligrams. I'm sorry, three grams of an amino acid called L-arginine. Three grams of L-arginine twice a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the balance of that cohort, they gave a placebo. Um, over 90% of the people that had been diagnosed with this severe COVID condition that received these six grams of L-arginine a day, given the two doses of three grams per day, 90% of those people left. The hospital stays were cut in half, and they actually left the hospital. Okay. So the conclusion of the Italian research team in this publication, like they say, is just for FTC purposes, I'll say I'm, this is quoting studies that are published peer-reviewed in The Lancet, no less, which is one of the largest uh, medicinal research publications in the world, that they concluded that administration of L-arginine in those dosages reversed endothelial damage. Your endothelium is the inner lining of your blood vessels. Mm-hmm. It's the only cell that has direct contact with your blood. It knows how to interpret data in your blood. We also know that from several studies, included, including studies from Harvard, uh, from research groups out of Germany, Switzerland, Sweden, Spain, that the spike protein, this COVID-19 thing, is an endothelial disease. That is, right. it causes the interior lining of your blood vasculature to dysfunction, meaning it inhibits your blood's ability to deliver oxygen. Because that's one of its primary responsibilities. Now, right. here's the connection right. between your endothelial cells, your, your blood vasculature and its health, and why people that got L-arginine in the, re- in the Italian research study left the hospital and got over their severe conditions. Because L-arginine is the main, one of the main fuels your blood vessels need to produce a molecule called nitric oxide. And when your endothelial cells, the inner lining of your blood vessels, produce that molecule, 
which is necessary for life, you can find that in many studies, that it heals itself. The endothelium heals itself. Imagine that, because we know the body is the only thing that can heal the body. So if you can connect those dots, uh, the research out of, uh, very latest research shows that the administration of L-arginine reversed endothelial dysfunction. And endothelial dysfunction is the primary design of the spike proteins. And that's, that data is actually included in patents, U.S. patents, in the development of the injection, getting back to the injection. Okay. So um, so I would suggest that uh, you could talk to Kevin. I think there's a sponsor for this program. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah. That actually is a, a product that, that that does provide over six milligrams of L-arginine and other amino acids that has been proven in in vitro and in silico studies to uh, cause the endothelial cells to produce long-term nitric oxide. Uh, and it's not a drug. You, know, you can actually... That's what I look at then because it's we, just, it's just we've food. gone to... It's just food. Yeah. Well, I... I tried to stay on top of that and and oh. doctors have put me on CPAP but that's supposed to change that hasn't sure. changed anything no, uh, yeah well, well, I'm not a doctor I'm like a, I'm not a doctor no I'm not a doctor that. and don't I, play one but I got what I can do is I can I've read hundreds and hundreds of studies on well that's, the, that's in, what I'm looking so, for is, is the, yeah is the direction to find the information and then I can go from there yeah. so the same, the same thing I, I went through with the the polycythemia diagnosis, they didn't tell me. And then I went to the blood bank and they said polycythemia vera. Well, now they want to argue with me that that's cancer. You can't diagnose me with cancer if you don't know. And they don't know. So I went to see a specialist and the specialist said uh, sleep disorder. Okay, if you say so, I've argued that point for years. But if you say so, I'll try it. And we're getting nowhere. So let's... Cut yep. to the chase. First off, that was some fascinating information. You know, Stanford just brought us there. Um, Cardio Miracle, by the way, uh, is the product that right. will provide all of that, does increase nitric oxide in the body, all of those things, just nutrients, just food. Um, are you taking Cardio Miracle, by the way? No, I am not. I would certainly I, I, try. I've been Here's, listening to your. Right. Yeah. I'm yeah. Here's something cry. else that struck me as Stanford was explaining that there was a lot of deep stuff in there. But one of the things I've learned within the last year is that we can show a very high blood ox level, pulse ox, they call it. You can measure it with a cheap device you clip on your finger. Um, the Garmin watch can measure pulse ox. I use it mine all the time. One of the things I learned was you can have 99% pulse ox. Actually, you could have 100%, and yet your your cells could be starving for oxygen. And one of Mm -hmm. the things, it's fairly complicated, but one of the things we can do ourselves to improve this, um, one, the supplement, clearly there was a good explanation of that. There's another thing that we can do the ability for our cells to use the oxygen that's in our blood is regulated by the amount of carbon dioxide in our blood. 
And Correct. we okay. can physically change that. And one of the really powerful ways of changing that number and getting more of that oxygen out of the blood and into our cells is the method of Wim Hof breathing. It's been scientifically proven many, many times. When you breathe in that method, the Wim Hof method, you can actually watch your pulse ox go down and you think it's a bad thing. It's not. It means we're finally moving that oxygen out of the blood into the cells where we need it. Okay. That's right. There's another great book called uh, Breath. I, I read that one, too, by James uh, Nestor. What, what, yes, by James Nestor. And I, call her, I forget your name. I apologize. That's all right. Yeah. The, point, the, point, the point of that read, the point of that book, is the value of nose breathing. Yes. Not mouth I, I know that. I know that very well. I've yeah. been battling that for years. <laughs> yeah, so, so again, that's, another that's, a, that's an easy, easy way to pass the DOT is, is inhale through your nose and exhale, and it'll it drop your blood pressure in a minute. Yeah. Well, let me give you another solution for, for nitric. Let me give you another solution for nitric oxide production in your body because your body produces nitric oxide. The interior lining of your blood vessels are built to do that. Uh, that is to when you increase the viscosity, when you optimize the viscosity of your blood, means it reaches a certain speed in your blood vasculature. There's a sheer mechanical force of okay. the blood uh, hitting the vascular wall at a specific speed. That sheer mechanical force induces your endothelial cells, a, a, your endothelial nitric oxide synthase. It's a molecule that produces nitric oxide. That mechanical shear force of the blood against the vascular wall causes those endothelial cells to produce nitric oxide. So how do you do that? You, you walk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not saying you have to walk vigorously, walking two and a half to three miles an hour. And, and right. nose and breathing pause. while you do it. Exactly. Yeah. These are powerful yeah. things that you can do to help your body regulate itself without the aid of strange chemicals made by the petrochemical companies and pharma companies. You give your body the fuel it needs, and this is what the research shows. Is uh, with the right fuel, you have a remarkable system in your body called the immune system. That is actually a function of divine providence and design. I would, and uh, and it works. Right, it, it works. And and, 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 and with you, all this, according according to my blood work, immune immune system is kind of weak. Oh, I bet and it that, is. Well, here's one thing I was noticing noticing going along with this is is everybody's immune system is. Shot yes. out. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. some of the issues that hey, I have but, are, are long tracking issues. But hold, hold on, before yeah, we get off on, on that. Be, hold, hold on there. Before we get off on the immune okay. system, I want to go All back right. to one point. Um, when we're talking yeah. about walking or activity and how vigorous should it be when we're talking about this topic, here's the best way to judge this it should be the most vigorous you can perform without breathing through your mouth. So if if you are walking hard enough that you have to open your mouth and start mouth breathing, then slow down. 
you want to be able to maintain that level of activity while breathing through your nose. Gotcha. Okay. I'll give all that a shot. I'll, I'll get on your store and, and, and cardio miracle going. And, and Ken, I would love so I would, to... I would wait. I, I would love to hear back from you on this, and if you are willing, I won't put you on the spot right now, but I'll let you think about this. If you are willing, um, I would want to do a one-on-one with you at no charge on this. Okay. Yeah, I'm I, interested I, in that. Yeah, it's an interesting topic. I'd like to learn more about it. We know a lot about it now, but I'd love to get some real-world results like this. So, um Think about that. Let me know and uh, get back to me. But I, I'd love to stay involved with this, and uh, I'm sure we'll learn some more. Oh, real quick, I think we're going to take one more call, and then we're going to wrap this up. Um, Matt sent me Kevin, over. Can I can I make can I make one more point for that? Yes, on the yeah. immune system, just yep. in 15 seconds. Sure. The vitamin D three. The vitamin D three is absolutely necessary for immune system health because it communicates to the cells in your organs to relax, de-stress, and stop producing inflammatory macrophages. That's one of the thousands of things that vitamin D3 does. Yep. We know the value of vitamin D3 to the immune system because the government has told us and the CDC has told us over the last few years that it doesn't matter. They haven't even talked about it. You know it's relevant. Here's the thing. Your fat stores, our our fat cells store inert vitamin D. Let me say that again. Our fat cells store inert vitamin D. The most recent in silico testing of Cardiomiracle has demonstrated that long-term production of nitric oxide messages the fat cells to release that inert vitamin D, which then gets hydrolyzed through two different uh, organs, the liver and uh and beyond, in terms of into calcitriol, or active vitamin D. So I'd be interested in seeing the, your guest, for example, suggesting that we get some blood work done on him before he takes this, uh, cardi- this cardiomiracle product to measure oxygen, to take uh, other blood markers in his blood, and measure his vitamin D levels. And I would guess uh, all things hold true for thousands of others. Uh, his vitamin D levels will increase significantly. 30, 60 days. Because you know, this, this first time, this biological process has actually been shown through our silico testing from emergency systems analytics that long-term nitric oxide production messages the fat cells to release inert vitamin D, which the body then turns on its own, turns that into active vitamin D3 and therefore provides a massive support for the immune system. That That's... The body healing itself. Can... Can you give me any um, research or studies on that? That's new information for yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I would, just new research. I would love to read that. Honestly, vitamin D, um, there's a lot of controversy right now in the whole natural health world about supplementing vitamin D. Um, there's still yeah. a lot we're just starting to learn about it, but I, I have a personal experience with this. You could say it's a coincidence all you want. It may have been, but I kind of doubt it. So eight years ago, when I started down this whole health journey, started doing all the reading, went back to school, found out pretty quickly how important vitamin D was in the natural health world. We talk about it a lot in the standard medical world. They hardly talk about it at all. Um, But 
So eight years ago, I started supplementing vitamin D and testing my vitamin D level every quarter. I have a subscription. They just send me a kit to test my vitamin D every quarter. Shows up in the mail. I do it. I send it back and I can keep my vitamin D level optimized by doing that. When I went out on this last road trip, I decided to experiment with something and I decided to not take any of the supplements I was taking at all. I'm not real big on supplements. I'd rather get stuff as naturally as I can, but I have supplements that I take every day. Vitamin D is one, the drops. I also do Cardio Miracle every day, Um, light balance. I stopped them completely. I have not been sick in eight years. That month that I quit, I got so sick. I don't remember in a long time being that sick. I was laid up in bed for four days, and I absolutely am convinced it was because I stopped those two supplements. Well, this is the, I'll tell you, Kevin, relative to this vitamin D, this is the first time that this feedback loop, the scientists are referring to it as the the chief chemist who discovered this in silico testing at CardioMerical said that this was a a beautifully intricate biofeedback loop. It's never been observed before in the human body. Uh, the article that he's written for is under peer review now, will likely be published in the Journal of Medicinal Chemistry. But it's a phenomenal life. Uh, it, it connected some dots for us, the Cardi Miracle, because the we were wondering why. We, we knew that when people used... Uh, and totally, the people would call and see my vitamin D level sort of got, went from 20 to 80 in two months. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there, there is a, there's a bit of vitamin D in a Cardi Miracle, but what we've discovered, the reason for the consequences that we're seeing that people are experiencing is because now we have learned that this combination of ingredients, the foods and amino acids that composes Cardi Miracle, oh. that... We've learned that nitric oxide signals the fat cells. And and understand, people, fat is an organ. It's not the enemy. It communicates with every other organ in your body. Fat is an organ. So we've learned that nitric oxide communicates with fat cells to release inert vitamin D, and the body then, on its own, turns that into active vitamin D3 in its most potent Powerful form. Hey, Stan, you just helped me solve something I wasn't able to solve. Um, We use, as our primary vitamin D supplementation, we use a drop because it's vitamin D emulsified in fat because you have to have fat present to absorb vitamin D. And it's always worked really well. Yeah, it's always worked really well. Then when we got together with you on Cardio Miracle and people started supplementing Cardio Miracle, I started getting a lot of people sending me back reports that they had their vitamin D tested and they were at like 150. And I'm like, well, tell me what you're supplementing. And they were doing vitamin D and Cardio Miracle. But I looked at the amounts. And the amount of Cardio Miracle they were taking and the amount of vitamin D that was in there should not have been enough to send their levels that high. And I kept thinking, why is it that every time somebody adds this, it's not a lot of vitamin D, but their numbers go through the roof. And you just explained why. 
because it's allowing the body to release more of it. The body makes it, yeah, releases and makes its own and can self-regulate, isn't it? Because that's what the body does. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's fascinating. It was a beautiful, even though, like you say, the chief chemist of this is a beautifully exquisite feedback loop. Yeah. Because then that, 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 that in turn, through additional processes, induces the endothelial cells again to concentrate the amino acids that they have and produce more nitric oxide on its own. Interesting. On their own. All right. And so, yeah, it's like starting a flywheel, Kev. Yeah. Like starting a flywheel. So, uh, we have to get into the research on it. Yeah, I, I, I want to read that. Thank you for that. Um, real quick, um, the update on the AB5 type law that's at the federal government. Um, Matt sent this over to me. It's called the PRO Act in the House. It's HR 842. I believe it's actually oh yeah matt says the house bill actually passed on march 21st so the federal government in the house has passed a bill that would eliminate a lot of independent contractors uh in the senate it is uh, senate bill s420 and right now it seems to be stuck in committee i for the people listening to this show I can't think of a bigger issue they should be focused on in this election. This changes our entire industry. So think about that when you vote this time. This one particular issue I think is a really big one. And nobody is talking about this in the media, and they won't. We have crime, we have inflation, we have a southern border, we have a war, we've got... House bills. House Bill 20, Kevin, House Bill 20. 420. 420. 420. Okay, yep. thank you. Yep, and uh, H.R. 842, oh. which has passed. So. The PRO Act? Yeah, PRO Act. Okay. Yeah, this is, a, this is something that uh, actually we might, uh, I might just put this up on the prosecute, uh, call the boys and team over to prosecute now and get this up. Excellent. Put together a letter so that everybody can go to prosecute now and send letters to all of their legislators Excellent. Uh, to reject this legislation. Yeah. Thank you for uh, that. I'll call we, that team. Yeah, we will be talking yeah. a lot more about that. Thank you. That's, that's awesome that we'll be able to do that. <laughs> Let's grab one more call and then wrap this up for the day. Um, we're going to go to Washington. Travis, welcome to the program. Morning. A uh, couple things I just want to touch on real quick. Uh, what you mentioned about the, the loopholes for the AB5 in California. Um, that third point you made is exactly what my aunt and uncle did. They have about seven or eight company trucks, and they had about 15 owner-operators leased to them. They just went out and got their broker license, and most of those uh, lease operators got their own authority and just get their freight through my aunt and uncle. So in that case, it worked out just fine for them. Yeah, um, it, it, it is a workaround. Easiest way to here's one of the thing I here's one of the things I would say. If they want to push forward with a bill like this, then I think we should push to eliminate the fact that we have to have authority to move freight. That whole system doesn't even make sense anymore. No other business has to get permission from the federal government to be in business. Why, as trucking companies, do we have to get their permission 
through what's called authority and we have to pay for it. We have to exactly. wait for it. And it's complicated. It, it, it was a part of the system prior to deregulation because it had to be. The government was basically controlling the price of moving freight by controlling supply and demand. That's what the authority process was for. They limited the amount of supply, trucking companies, to keep the prices up enough that the trucking companies that were there could stay in business. Now, once the trucking industry matured enough, then we got rid of all of those stupid rules that we didn't need, except this whole idea of authority still sticks around. Let, let If they want to push AB5, then let's eliminate authority and just say anybody who wants to go buy a truck can go buy a truck and start moving freight just like every other business does. Yep. The, but, uh, the other topic I wanted to bring up, Kevin, was I've seen some articles about the government trying to put speed limiters on all Class 8 trucks regardless of your authority or lease or... Yes. No. Yep. What are your your thoughts on that? I hate it. I, 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 I stand the same place as this as that. You know, that's another one that we will do everything we can to fight. And I, I I don't care about those speed limits. You know, in my operation or most of the people I know, we talk about driving slow because it makes sense economically and business wise. But I don't want the government doing it. The government mandating speed limits is is wrong. It's not going to solve anything. It's going to cause a bunch more problems. So I am completely against it. We, here's the thing. The government already mandates speeds. It's called a speed limit. If the government wants to put split, split speed limits on trucks or states want to do it, go ahead. We've been doing that forever. We're okay with that. We have a speed limit. If I break the speed limit, we have a punishment. If you break it enough times, you'll lose your license. What's wrong with that system? It seems to work fine to me. Works fine for me. Yeah. Why, why do we need, need to physically try to... Yeah. they can't. Exactly. The, the government sh- just should get out of that. We shouldn't have any of these laws about physical speed limiters on trucks. Set a speed limit and set a punishment if I break it. We don't need anything more than that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, all right. that's all I had for you today. I, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Good stuff, Travis. Thanks for the call. Uh, Stan, any final words before we wrap this up? It's it, Kevin. It's great to be with you. Always, a, always a pleasure to be with you. I appreciate all the work that you do for such a vital and important industry in this country that actually keeps it rolling. And and so grateful to you and, and to Lisa and the whole Let's Truck tribe. You guys are awesome. Well, it's phenomenal. I really appreciate it. Well, thank I know, you. I know I, thousands too. I know thousands too. Yeah, and and thank you. I really appreciate our partnership. You bring so much to the. Uh, to the table for our listeners and our tribe, your legal expertise, your your expertise on the vaccines and COVID and so many other things. And, and of course, Cardio Miracle has been an awesome addition to our lineup and so many people are benefiting from it. So, um, you know, that's the beauty well, like of, you, we, of we, partnerships like this. Yeah, well, 
we felt right at home with you because uh, we, we share a common value that is we, we value human life. We value humanity. We, we value the ability to govern ourselves. And uh, so we're right at home with you, brother. Right at home with you. You know, I, I, I always think back to, you know, there are moments in life that I always kind of look back on and say, you know, that could have not happened so easily. And this partnership was one of them. And I, I probably have said this before, but I'm going to say it again. I clearly remember waking up the final day of the Mindshare Summit in San Diego. And I had a, I had a flight, you know, early that day. I knew I couldn't stay for the whole day. And I went and did a couple sessions in the morning. Then I went back to my room. I had my bag packed. I was on my way out the door. In fact, I was standing there with the door open. And if I would have let it close, I you know, would have been on my way to the airport. And I stopped and I thought, you know what? I'm hungry. I could just grab something when I get to the airport. But there's food here. It was lunchtime. I should just go grab food and, you know, say goodbye to a couple people. I still have plenty of time to get to the airport. I went back in my room, put my suitcase down, went to lunch, and that was when I met you. Uh, I would suggest that for me too in my life, that was a fulcrum moment where there was a, a wobble effect, right? Which really has operated to bless your life and mine and, and John's and and then just uh, hundreds of people from there. I mean, and the, you know, it'll keep going to thousands and thousands. That's, that was an auspicious day and a provident, provident meeting, Kevin. Yeah, really was. I always think about that. Um, Thank you I can, again. I can, I can put myself. I can put myself at that table right now. I, I remember it so clearly. Me too. So. It, me too. It, I, I remember the other people that were at the table, and I, it was. Yep. Um, it, it 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 could have so easily been missed, and it wasn't. And yep. I I just believe that there there's there's a reason for that, and things like this happen for a reason. Um, and um. I'm really glad that it did. But I, I just think about that moment. It could have gone either way. I could have let that door closed and headed to the airport and everything would be different right now. Yeah. Well, on that, I would say, you know, one last comment I would make is uh, we live with an ability to perceive and receive information. Uh about what we ought to do. Not what we should do, but what we ought to do. The difference is ought implies a moral imperative. Should doesn't. Yeah. So what we ought to do. And if we follow the ought that we feel, um, things that we ought to do, because they're the right thing to do, then even if it's just like yeah, you, you experienced a subtle premonition, a subtle message, that everybody can be, everybody, each of us can be, can create a wobble effect. Every human can make decisions in terms of their action and their speech as a fulcrum and cause a tilt for humanity in their own lives, for humanity at large as well, in the right direction and against the opposition, toward order and out and away from chaos. We can each do that. We can live our lives that way. Good Every point. day. Hey, you know what? I have a feeling that oxytocin is one of the things that helps us do that. 
Roger that. Go go go! Do some reading on oxytocin. It's a it's an amazing thing. I, um, I've, I've got some notes. I've already written them down, Kev. I'll be honest. Yeah, I'll be honest. Yeah, I'll come back with a report. Excellent, excellent. All right, Stan. You and I could talk all day. Um, great show today. I absolutely loved it. So thank you. Um, we'll do it again next week. In the meantime, don't forget about your cardio miracle. Let's truck.com head on over to the store and we will see you tomorrow for a big health day. We have all kinds of stuff going on tomorrow. Um, we'll see you then. And we'll see you back here next week for another episode of the pit. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. <laughs>